are you in? And we asked a series of questions throughout the four weeks, kind of asking us how, um, are, are we all in? Are we all in in the vision of Mountain View and where Mountain View is going, what God is doing in Mountain View, um, and, and just how God is working? Um, are, we, are we involved in that? And so we finalized that four weeks by uh, kind of by asking for our pledge for our um, building campaign that we are leading into. So we uh, collected those pledges, and today is First Fruits Sunday. So there's two parts I want to talk about. Uh, as far as the pledges go, uh, many of you were not here. We, we recognize that. Many people were here, but they'd been gone for a while, so they really weren't prepared. They weren't, hadn't been praying about it. So the pledges are going to continue. Uh, we we figure we've received probably about 65% of the pledges that we are hoping to get. Um, and so if you missed out and you did not, were not able to pledge, but you know that that is something you want to do, the pledge cards are located on the back table uh, at the back of the sanctuary with the boxes um, there. Um, so make sure you grab a pledge card before you leave today. And you can bring that pledge card back next week or the week after and, but between now and then, we would ask you to be praying about what God is leading you to pledge towards this significant uh, move forward that we are doing of building an, another building. One, to give our children much more room. And two, so that we can create more space. As you know, we're at three services now. We're too small of a church to be at three services. We, we, that means too many of our resources go out into working our services versus uh, serving out in the community like we're called to do. So, so if you have not given your pledge, uh, please plan on either doing that today. I know some of you brought pledge cards today, either today or in the coming weeks. Um, but for those of you that did turn your pledge cards in today, today is our last week. Today is First Fruits Sunday, and so we asked everyone to bring the first part of that pledge today. And so maybe you're even turning your pledge card in today. Uh, we would still ask, if at all possible, to, to turn in the first part of that pledge, um, whether even if it's something as small as maybe $10 just to get that pledge going. That, that's kind of our goal is just to, for everyone to just get started on it and say, hey, I'm, I'm in. So when you, so, so some have already put them in the offering boxes that are in the back. There will be at least one box back there at the end of the service still um, to collect. And then if not, the other way to do it is during offering, we will take basically the normal offering, but if you have your uh, first fruits and you want to put that in there, you can do that as well. Plus, you can put your pledge cards in the offering when it comes by. So anything and everything revolving the new building campaign can go in the offering when it comes by. Okay. Um, so now, just to kind of give you an update on where we're at, of 50, we, we've received 58 pledge cards last week. And like we said, we, we're uh, estimating that to be about 60% of the amount of pledges that we hope to receive. Our minimum that we need to get to to be able to move forward is 750,000. Out of the 58 pledge cards, we have already received uh, about 650,000. So that's good. We are, we are really very much on the way. That's, yeah, you can celebrate that. So just a reminder to those of you that have not uh, given your turn your pledge in, every little bit helps. Um, every small amount helps. And, and if you uh, grab one of the cards, it has a breakdown of over three years what, what it looks like to give 1,000, 3,000, 5,000, 
whatever whatever that amount you would be looking at. And just as also a reminder, the pledge is for three years. So if you've missed a lot of this, you've been gone, please come talk to one of the leaders. We would love to walk you through what's going on with that. So with all that, today we're starting a new series. Um, we are heading into the summer, and we just kind of looked at, well, rather than do some small series before we get into the summer, let's just jump right in. I don't know about you, but I look at Mother's Day as the first week of summer in, in Heber. It's always, that's when the weather gets good. There's like 10 days of school left. They're not doing anything anyway. Right? It's, it, it's, so we're, we're, we're like, it, we're into the, into the summer season. So we're just going to jump right in. And for the summer, we are going through the book of Psalms. And so we're going to jump right in today with looking at Psalm chapter one. I'm excited about this for a few reasons. One, the book of Psalms has so many things that apply to so many different levels and areas of life and faith. So throughout this series, we're going to be talking about the different attributes of God, his righteousness, his majesty, his justice, his mercy, why God should be praised. We're going to be talking about um, why do bad things, uh, why do bad things happen to good people? Um, how do we get through the storms of life? Um, we're going to be talking about what it means to live a righteous life, uh, what it means to be devoted to God. Uh, so there's so many different things that we can talk about throughout this series. And the great thing about it, too, is that they don't build on each other. So if you miss a week, don't feel like, oh, I'm, I'm out of this series. Every week is kind of its own thing and own topic. The other thing I like about the Psalms is I really would encourage you to read the Psalms. If you were to read three psalms a day as we go through this series, which is about five minutes of reading, five to seven minutes of reading a day. Um, if you read three psalms a day, you will get through the psalms twice throughout the summer. So I would encourage you just to read the psalms with us as we are going through it. All right, well, let's pray, and we will jump in. Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful day, the day that we celebrate moms and uh, just all the, the heart and soul and um, just oftentimes thankless work that they put into um, raising children. And uh, so, God, we just pray that they know that they are appreciated and loved today. Um, God, as we dig into your word, uh, we pray that you just open our hearts, gives us, give us eyes to see and ears to hear, um, to to be the people that you call us to be, um, to grow as you desire us to grow. We pray these things in your name. Amen. <clears throat> well, we're going to kick this off, like I said, by looking at the very first psalm, Psalm 1. Obviously, we're not going to be covering every psalm. Uh, we're going to be covering 14 different psalms that deal with different topics. But today, I thought Psalm 1 is just a perfect way to get us going because Psalm 1 sets the groundwork. It's the foundation about what it takes and what it looks like to live a life that is devoted to God, what, to live a life that is a thriving life. And I think that's perfect because the truth is all of us desire to live a thriving life. You know, I don't know anyone, I've never met someone who their goal in life is just to barely get by and survive. I, I, don't, I don't know anyone that has that mindset. They're, everyone has this desire to thrive, and that's part of what the human condition is, right? We talked about that a few weeks ago as we talked about investing in God's kingdom, this idea of what does it mean to have it all? What does it look like to, to have a life where, where I'm thriving? That is our desire. And so as we look at this today, what we're going to see is that Psalm 1 shows us that in order for us to thrive, that we have to learn to have deep roots, 
We have to have deep roots in a world that is filled with shallowness. In a world that is filled with shallow relationships, shallow conversations, shallow commitments, shallow entertainment. Everything around us is shallow, and yet God tells us that we need to go deep if we're really going to grow and have a thriving life. So let's look. Psalm chapter 1 says this. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, weather. whatever they do prospers. Not so with the wicked. They are like chaff the wind blows, that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in, in judge, the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. See, this psalm is all about what the kind of life that we are designed for. We are designed to have a life that is functioning in a world that is malfunctioning. We're designed to have a life that is fruitful and growing in the midst of a world that is dead and dried up. But in order for us to have it, we have to be rooted in the right place. So as we start this, I, I think we need to ask ourselves a question. We need to look at the something in our life. We need to look at the fruit, the fruit in our life. What does the fruit in our life say about the roots of our life? What does the fruit in our life say about the roots of our life? Look at verse 3. He says this. He says, like a tree planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in season. See, we are to yield fruit. But what kind of fruit are we yielding? What does the fruit of our life look like? Jesus deals with this in Matthew chapter 7. He says, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. See, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Now, here's the interesting thing. Oftentimes, we want to use that to look at other people, right? We want to judge other people by their fruit, and it's true. You can, right? You can look at other people's lives, and, and you know, if, they're, if they've always got relationships that are in turmoil, and, and, or people don't trust them, um, if they can't hold a job and they just are constantly jumping from job to job, um, if there's always trouble with the law or those kinds of things, sure, you can look and say, well, they, you know, they obviously need to change their roots. They need to make a change in their life. But I would, I would challenge us that really we're mo meant to examine our own fruit. You know, we, we need to look at our own fruit and what, how God uses that in our life to give us indicators about what is happening in our own life. And we would spend less time worrying about other people's fruit and worry more and concern, be concerned more about the fruit in our own life and what our own life is showing. We would benefit from that. See, I think God uses the outward fruit in our life to give us a peek into what's going on in our hearts, to give us a peek into what's happening under the service, surface. You know, kind of like a, you know, a dashboard indicator lights on your, on your car, 
right? I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't know much about cars, so I, I kind of rely on those, you know? And I know that sometimes when those lights come on, it's too late. I know that, okay? Uh, <laughs> but, but, you know, there are many of them that, that just kind of give you an idea about what's happening in your car. You get a low fuel light come on, you know, you better go get gas some soon, right? Um, and if not, you're beginning to run on fumes, and, it, and, and, your life can't, and your car can't run well that way, right? It'll die. Same thing with you. If you, you know, sometimes we need, you know, like, the low fuel light comes on in our life, right? And we just, we, we, we have to look and kind of say, hey, I need to make some changes so I'm not just running myself ragged. Um, you know, your seatbelt light comes on, you know? Are you, are you doing things to protect yourself and to protect the relationships of those around you? Uh, if your check engine light comes on, right, you kind of better take care of that. That means there's something is going on at a deeper level, um, in your car, but also same thing goes in your life, right? These indicators that God gives us to look at, hey, what, what kind of fruit is in my life? Galatia, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 through 26, Paul deals with this. He says this, he says, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now listen to what he says here, nine, verse 19 and following. He says, now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of rage, rivalries, uh, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, it's easy for us to look at a passage like that and say, well, that's talking obviously about people that are far from God, right? Because there's like some buzzwords there that we like to grab onto, you know, and kind of, like you look at that and you're like, some words that jump out might be sensuality, orgies, uh, uh, sorcery, you know, things that you kind of go, wow, okay, these are obviously people that are far from God. They're just like purposely living these lives that are in rebellion of God. But most of the stuff in this list is stuff that every one of us in this room deals with at some level. Almost everything in this list is stuff that every person, the person that is even, you know, seeking to live a moral life is going to deal with. It's kind of working backwards in this. Look, look at, in verse 21, envy. Envy. Who, who of us can say we don't struggle with envy? Who of us can say that there have not been times you look and say, man, I wish I had that person's life. I wish I drove that person's car. You know, I wish my spouse was more like that person's spouse. Or I wish my kid was more like that person's kid. Or I wish I looked like that person. Or I, you know, I wish I had a job like that person. We, it's so easy for envy to, to take root in our life. Right? This, is, this is a sin that, that can become a part of our, our, our daily life. You, you, moving on, divisions and dissensions. You know, we've all known people that are always divisive. They're always trying to cause a problem with somebody. You know, you ever know people that you're in a group with three or four people, and as soon as one or two of those people leave the room, that person always has to say something about them? Right? They always have to say something, and very rarely is it, man, that, is just, that person is just one of the most encouraging people I've ever met. You know, it's usually not that, right? It's usually something like, oh, did you see, you know, or oh my gosh, I can't believe it, or, you know, that it's usually just nitpicking, divisive, and dissent, dis, uh, 
is causing dissension among relationships. This is fruit that we see a lot in people's lives. You know, whenever I'm with someone like that, the first thing that goes through my head as soon as they start doing that is, well, I wonder what you say about me when I'm not in the room, right? So, so it, it's a kind of fruit that eventually causes distrust and breaks up other relationships. Um, moving on, uh, fits of anger. You know, people that just, you know, we, we go into a rage. Jealousy, right? Strife and enmity. You ever know people that they just have a problem with everybody? There's, they have a problem with, so they've got to have some issue with somebody all the time. You know, if it's, it's an issue with my parents, or it's an issue with my kids, or it's an issue with my sister, or it's an issue at work, or it's an issue in my church, or it's an issue with my spouse, and there's just, oh, there's, they've always got an issue. And at some point, you have to look and kind of go, hey, do you notice a common denominator? Right? But see, this is all fruit that we, any one of us can allow to grow in our life. Sexual immorality. Have you allowed pornography to just become something in your life that, that is taking root? You know, we all know there's a difference between having a, a struggle of something you're holding, being held accountable on, and, and, and we, we live in a pornographic society, and, and it's, it's stuff that, that many, many people, the average person is going to have some level of, of struggle with, but there's a difference between that and just kind of going, ah, that's just part of my life, and I'm just going to allow that in to take root in my life. And affect the way I think about the opposite sex. And affect the way I think about sexuality. All these kinds of things. See, this is, this is fruit that God is using in our life for us to say, Hey, do I have a root problem? Do I have issues with where I'm rooted and how I'm rooted? But then he goes on, verse 22, he says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. You see, if we're going to say that we follow Christ, that should be the kind of fruit that we see in our life. When people look at our life, do they say, you know what, that is a person, it's, it's, that is filled with love. There's peace in that person's life. There's joy. I, I feel more joy when I'm with that person than when I'm not. You know, that person, there's patience with that person. There's, there's kindness. See, these are the kinds of things that should be emanating from our life. And when they're not, we have to look at, do we have a root problem? And in a world that values, here's one of the problems, you guys. In a world that values short-term success and quick fixes, it becomes increasingly difficult to really examine our fruit, right? I mean, we live in a world that you got a problem, just switch friends. You know, you got a problem with that friend, just change friends. You got a problem with that spouse, change spouses, right? You, you, got, you got a problem with at work rather than work through it and deal with it and, and learn how to grow through issues, just change jobs or just go months without a job. Right? Because you, you, you don't like that, that, that boss or that manager. It's easy for us to just keep jumping from one thing to the next without really cultivating a soil in our lives that will grow roots and help us flourish. So as Christ followers, we're called to flourish for the long haul. See, it's easy because we're such a temporary society, we can look at people that are not doing these things and go, well, they're flourishing, mm, but are they? 
Because uh, so often, I, I've seen that so many times in my life where I'll like go to someone's house and I'll get kind of jealous over their house or whatever, or, or just, or even like just different things. And then, and then, no, but knowing that person and going, ah, man, they're not honoring God at all. I'm not saying that every, all the people's houses, like that, but you know, just certain people, you, you know, but you're like, man, that's not, that person isn't honoring God in any way or whatever, but they're, they, they're able to live this way and that kind of thing. And then three years later, I go, oh, that person's going to the divorce and losing everything. Or that person is, is having all sorts of problems in their, their job. And, you know, it's amazing how over time, we, we, you, we can see these things versus the temporal. But we get so focused on the temporal. But if you want to thrive for the long haul, let's look at what we can do. How, how can we thrive for the long haul? Three roots that I want us to examine in our, in our life. Three roots that I think the psalmist says that we need to examine. The first is our compass. Our compass. What's guiding me? What guides me in my life? Verse 2 says this. It says, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Right? He's talking about the person who loves the word of God, who uses the word of God as a compass. What's your compass? What, what, what guides you in this life? How do you make your decisions? Ask yourself this. Do I often find myself in places of life or places of death? And what I mean by that is, do the choices I make in my life just constantly lead to broken relationships? Do they, do they lead to feelings of despair? Do they lead to feelings of pressure, maybe financial pressure? I'm always under some sort of financial pressure. Or, or do, they, do they lead to building strong, close ties? Or do they lead to barriers and walls and worry and anxiety and fear and, and stress? See, do, you, do they lead to life or do they lead to death? Look at the fruit. Look at, that, look at those lists in Galatians and kind of ask yourself, which list best, really, truly best represents me? See, God's word is meant to be our guide. It's meant to be our compass. It's meant to be that which recalibrates us to the truth. So what's guiding you? And where is it taking you? Do you kind of just like have this mentality, well, I'll just follow my heart? Well, guess what? When you follow your heart, you're usually just going to do what works, works and feels best for you right now. And oftentimes when you do what works and feels best for you right now, after a while, those small decisions end up leading you down a really bad path. Psalm 119 says this, it says, your word is a lamp to my feet. It's a light to my path. I love, I love that verse. Ever since I've heard that verse years and years ago, it's always been such a good visual to me about how God's word is supposed to work in my life. You know, because I don't know about you, I like to camp. But when you go camping, at least tent camping, and you go out like we're in the woods, not with like full hookups and in a you know, big trailer, you know, and you're in there, in there watching satellite TV. I'm not talking about that. That's camping for some. I get it. I'm not knocking it. That's not what I call camping. Um, that's called what I call taking my home somewhere. Anyway, um, but, but, but when you really go camping out in the woods, you, 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 you realize how much you like, how much you appreciate that flashlight at night, don't you? When you have to like walk to your tent from the campfire, or you have to get up in the middle of the night, you gotta go, anything, it just, to have that little, it's a small light even, but it guides your path in a place where 
the, the ground is kind of rocky and not even, and there's things in your way, and you don't know exactly where you are, you know, you're not really familiar, man, that light is such a good guide. And that's what God's word is meant to be for us. In Second Timothy, I mean, in 1 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, it says, all scriptures God breathed, it's useful for teaching and rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. See, God, we're called to be equipped through God's word. And when we are, that root grows and guides us in the right direction. The second would be our community. Who's influencing me? Who's influencing me? Kind of jumping backwards, look at verse 1. The psalmist says this. It says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. Who are you listening to? Who are you listening to in this world? Because oftentimes, it's, most of the time, it's going to be who you hang out with. Who you spend your time with is going to be who you listen to. So pick people of character and substance to listen to, to spend time with, instead of shallow and selfish people. Do you spend time with people that are always complaining about their situation in life? Always blaming other people for the situation they're in or blaming other people for things that are going wrong? Who are always negative about everything that happens in, in the world? Or do you spend time with people who look to the positives? Do you spend time with people who point you in the right direction? Do you spend time with people who encourage you to dig into God's word? Who encourage you to seek God? Who encourage you to rely on the promises of God? Where, where are you spending your time? Now, there's a difference between friends and acquaintances, right? We all have acquaintances. We all have people that we're going to have to spend some time with that, that have that. But, but who are you really investing in in relationships? Make sure there are people who draw you closer to God. That's why one of the reasons we have small groups is community groups. We want you to be in relationships with people that are, that are going to encourage you to do that. Who's influencing you? Who are you following you maybe you're following the media. Maybe you're just sit constantly in front of the media letting it influence you. That's a real positive kick in the pants, ain't it? Right? I mean, you know, if you're, if you're watching four hours of news a day, my guess is going to be that you're probably getting becoming pretty negative. Because it, 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 that's the whole goal. The whole goal of the news is to report all the horrible things that are happening, right? I mean, that's, that, it really is. So they, they, I mean, you know, and... Just talking about decent things that happen don't, doesn't really sell a lot of, lot of time. So, so that's the goal. Spend, challenge yourself not to allow that to be such an influence, to spend more time around others that are going to lead you in a positive way. But also, who's, who are you influencing? Right? Do you have people that you're pouring into? Because you do need to have some people that, you're under, that, that are kind of underneath you or at least putting themselves there and allowing you to encourage them and challenge them. Don't just be someone who takes, be someone who, who gives as well. That's why we talk about coaching at MBF. We talk about being connected to the body of Christ, being coached in a relationship with Christ. Because it takes people to coach you, to step in. You know, if you've ever played any kind of sport or ever challenged yourself in any area, you know that a coach helps you be better than you would be on your own. A coach comes alongside you and encourages you, but they also aren't afraid to challenge you. They also aren't afraid to say, hey, you need to work on this. 
Do you have someone who's able to speak in your life? Do you have someone who, would, if they were to tell you today, hey, you need to work on this, that you would react in a humble way and listen, that you give authority to in your life? Or do you only have people that tell you what you want to hear? Or maybe they just listen. They never, give, they never guide you. They just will let you say everything you need to say and hear, tell you what you want to hear. Here's what I would challenge you. Chances are people that only tell you what, they want, what you want to hear are usually into the relationship with an ulterior motive. They usually don't want to upset you because they're gaining something from the relationship that they don't want to lose. Have people in your life who are willing to tell you what you don't want to hear. Contrary to what our culture teaches us, friends, true friends, shouldn't be the ones that always agree with you. True friends should be the people who love you enough to challenge you and, are, and you're willing to have some conflict with. Deep relationships are relationships that go through conflict. They're not relationships that always stay on the surface. Third, my consistency. And what I mean by that is, am I being watered daily? Am I being watered daily? Am I growing daily? Look at what he says once again in verse 3. That person is like a tree planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in season. You know, Jesus is often referred to as the living water. The water that gives life. Are you consistently being watered in your relationship with God? Are you consistently being fed? Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Are your eyes fixed on Jesus? Do you have a root of consistency in that relationship with him? Because roots take time to grow, right? Roots don't grow overnight. Good, strong roots take time to grow. When I do weddings, oftentimes I will give an analogy of, of flower versus a tree. And I oftentimes encourage the couple that I want their love to be more like a tree. Right? Because we think of flowers oftentimes when we think of love, but while flowers are beautiful, they're also very weak, right? They're easily destroyed. They, they don't weather storms. But a tree grows stronger over time. A tree 10 years and 20 years later is stronger than it was the day you planted it. But a flower doesn't weather those storms. It dies. And so I encourage a couple that I want their marriage to be like the, weather, the love of a tree that grows stronger. But the same thing goes with our faith in Christ. It takes time to grow those roots. It takes consistency. And a lot of times we just, we want it to just happen overnight, right? We just want something, a quick fix to, for me to be a, a spiritual person, for me to grow in Christ. We want to just kind of feel like, okay, I, I've, I've got it down really fast. But discipleship doesn't work that way. So discipleship is a slow cook. It's not a microwave, right? It, it, it takes time for God to work into every area of our life. I've said this before, but I, I always hated the What Would Jesus Do campaign. Remember those, the bracelets, and I think they sold What Would Jesus Do underwear, which if you get that point in the game, you're too far gone. But anyway, um, but they, they sold What Would Jesus Do things, and I always, I, I never liked that. I, be, why? 
Because a little thing on your wrist isn't going to help you do what Jesus would do. It isn't. But they've got this mindset. People just have this mindset. If I just look at that, I'll just be reminded to do what Jesus would do. No, you won't. Because you can't until you develop the habits and consistency in your life that is going to train you to be more like Jesus. You can't do what Jesus would do just because you know what he would do. Even if you knew exactly what he would do, you can't do it unless you have developed that in your life. You know, just because if you watch golf, you know, you might be watching golf and, 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 and see like Phil Mickelson in a, in a situation and kind of go, you might know exactly what he should do. You might be able to say, oh, he should use this and, you know, and hit whatever. You know, I, don't, I don't know much about golf. So, but, you know, you, you might know exactly what he should do. But that doesn't mean you could do it, right? If you were in that situation, you might know what needs to be done, but it doesn't mean you could do it. He's still going to pull it off way better than you. Why? Because he has worked at it. He has developed consistent habits in his life that has made this where it just, this is what he does. Where you don't have that. But the same thing goes on our faith with Christ. We can't just expect to do what Jesus would do. But we get in our world, it's so easy for us to focus on the temporal that what happens is we we want like we just we want to just like feel like we can be strong disciples without doing much about it. You know, like a lot of people just want this, like, well, give me the, the 12 days to being like Jesus class, and then I'll just I'll be good. Right? And that's not how it works. It's a consistent growth, making these things a habit over time, developing them in our life so that we can become more like Christ. <clears throat> it's simple science, honestly, right? We, our brain develops neuropathways, right? If you know much about neuropathways, you know you can train neuropathways. And, and once those neuropathways are trained, your brain just knows to do these things on trigger. But until then, and you have, you have to like really work and change and make, make constant choices to, to make these uh, decisions. And as long as that, that's what's happening, then you're not going, it's not going to be second nature for you. Right? So when we want to learn something, if we're, you know, doctors, they don't just study what to do, right? They actually have to go and train on how to do it. And they, have, they do it so much that it becomes second nature to do it. People that work in any kind of emergency situations are constantly put in that kind of training. Athletes know to do the things that they do because it's what they do every day. And the same thing goes with our faith. We need to develop the right neural pathways to live the way Christ calls us to live. It's not just going to happen by every once in a while deciding, hey, I want to make a decision the way Jesus would make it. It, becomes, it has to become something that we do. And if we do that over time, we can thrive for the long haul. If we focus on the long game and we continue to be consistent and we continue to work through those things, we can have a life that thrives and becomes who God calls us to be and is excited about what God has for us if we will put these things into practice. Because as he says in verse 6, For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. And in a world focused on the temporal, 
It's easy to look at those that rebel against God and think that they're flourishing. However, we have to play for the long game to see what God is really going to do. So this morning, I would just challenge you to ask yourself a few questions. Is there any area, number one, is there any area that you need to uproot yourself? An area where you've allowed a root to go in and you know that that is not where it should be. Your compass isn't God's word. Your compass is a, is a group of people that you know are leading you astray. Or it's the media. Or it's, it's some sort of philosophy that you know that is, is not in tune with what God would, would call you to. Do you need to replant yourself? Do you need to kind of make some really concerted effort to get planted in, in the church maybe or in a small group or in studying God's word or developing a daily prayer life? And what areas of your life need to be watered? Is there an area of your life that you've just kind of not really been allowing Jesus to speak into and you've been keeping that to yourself? we can make these kind of choices and we can be intentional about making these choices we can see God develop a flourishing thriving life in us let's pray Heavenly Father thank you for your work in us God I thank you for your word which guides us I thank you for community of, that you've put us in where we can we can be challenged encouraged and grow and God, I pray that you give us hearts that desire to be consistent. God, it's so easy to beat ourselves up when we blow it. It's so easy to guilt ourselves when we, when we feel like, man, I know I should do that and I haven't been. God, I just pray that you just encourage us right now. If, that, if there's anyone here that's just beating themselves up, maybe because they haven't been doing a certain thing that they, they originally set out to do, God, that they wouldn't allow the enemy to guilt them to a place where they just don't move forward, but rather they be convicted through your spirit. Convicted to say, okay, today's the day I start over. Today's the day I, I, I'm going to make a consistent habit. And that when we fall, when we fail in those habits, we don't allow the enemy to keep us down, but we just get up and we just keep moving forward. Remembering it's not about the short game, it's about the long game. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.